Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go straight into the panel discussion. So can I please have the panel join me on stage one by one or as a group, whatever you guys feel comfortable with. Thank you guys so much. Let's give them a round of applause. Let's give them some encouragement. These are all wonderful contributors to the digital space, to the creative space. Thank you so much. Take a seat, my lady. Thank you guys so much for joining me, joining us, joining all of us here. Um, I'm not going to introduce you. I will allow you to shine. So you guys can do like a two-liner about who you are and what's your favorite thing to do. Jokes. You can Hi everyone, um, my name is Gokutsu Masuluke. I am a former digital editor for Bona Magazine and content producer. I'm a digital strategist and I am a founder of Four Room Digital, which is basically a digital agency that we recently launched. Hello, I'm Kabelo Moremi. I am a content specialist slash commissioning editor by profession. And I am a podcaster, I'm part of the Sobering Podcast, a third, and yeah. Uh, my favorite thing to do is to talk, 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 talk. <laughs> um, hello, my name is Menzi Sipasisham Zimela. I am a creative producer by profession. I work for a production company and I'm also a YouTuber. I have a channel called Anarchadio. And, um, hello. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, my favorite thing to do is probably just, uh, I watch a lot of movies and um, I play a lot of video games. And, yeah, that's it. Hi, uh, my name is Taka Zamtembu and I am the COO of Digify Africa. Um, we do digital skills training for young people across the continent. Um, I'm also the founder of um, Word and Sound Live Literature Movement, which is uh, the continent's biggest um, youth digital poetry brand. Oh, my favorite thing to do, I'm sitting. No, I've got two. Um, my favorite thing to do is um, dream, man, and just build new new things. Hi, my name is Mashuru. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Um, I'm going to begin with you, Mr. Menzi. Yeah? <laughs> you have some really great fans <laughs> this side, so shout-outs to you guys. Um, now, there's a standard model for YouTube content, Yes. Yes. Yes? yes. <laughs> Are we on the same page? Yeah. I'm just curious to find out, why did you use a multi-brand strategy? Um, I think, well, first of all, someone referring to what I do um, as a multi-brand strategy is like probably the second best compliment I've ever received. Um, so um, I, um, I don't think, I never saw it as a multi-brand strategy. Um, it was just for me, just logical decision-making in whatever creative journey I was taking, you know, like whatever made sense to me. Uh, so from the outside, it's like a strategy. I only discovered the, the, the concept of having a strategy like two years ago, uh, which is a bit crazy, you know, because I've been creating for more than that. Um, but for me, just what, it's, it, it, it's just what made sense, because I wanted to create, but I never had the personality to be on, on camera. I never had the strongest personality, but I had a very creative brain, I had ideas. And um, just realizing that I was surrounded by people who could execute those ideas, who luckily happened to be my friends at the beginning of it, um, just felt like a great opportunity. Uh, so I exploited that, and then um, the intention was just to experiment with my friends, and I had no idea that it would become uh, this huge collaborative channel, because my channel basically is just all collaborations, you know? Uh, so 
Yeah, that's what I would say. It was just that was that was the logical thing to do. And if I if I had tried to be the in the limelight of my content, it would have fell flat. Uh, but realizing that there's people better better than me at executing that content just made perfect sense. And it just there was a lot of momentum that came with that. And and um, it created a lot of space. I didn't realize I was creating because people realized they could approach me and be like, "Oh man, I'm I'm actually a funny guy. I'm actually this. I see that you can you can edit that or you can do those graphics. I can." if I can put myself in there. So I, I had no idea I was creating gaps for people to, to um, kind of um, take as an opportunity in a space where obviously it's hard to find opportunities as a, as a personality, so yeah. So you find obviously that having a strategy has worked out for you, right? And so I'm gonna put myself on the spot and be like, well, I really suck at doing that kind of thing. How do you suppose one can go about you know, strategizing or coming up with a really good strategy for the content that they're creating? Um, I think the first thing is to, you, can't, you have to like what you're creating. Um, the, the, you mustn't create because so in, uh, there's so many people who like this, so let me create content to, to cater to them. Uh, um, in a strange way, um, I, cre I create very self-indulgently, like I have to like it. I have to actually like the things I'm doing. You know, I have to like um, movies, I have to like, this um, and then how people respond to it is very secondary. I don't I don't go around and say, oh, there's five thousand people who like soccer. Let me do a soccer um, a soccer YouTube channel. It's all I have to enjoy it first, and my friends have to enjoy it, and then usually that always works out. It never it, 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 everything that has never worked out was because I was trying to pander to people, but as soon as I enjoy what I do, you you attract people and be like, oh, me too, or, you know, and and um, it's quite frustrating because a lot of people say. Um, uh, I like this. Nobody likes knitting, uh, so I don't want to do a, a channel on knitting. I'm like, you'd be surprised um, <laughs> about what people like on YouTube. You know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm currently obsessed with like restoration YouTube, which is a, a YouTube space where people take like old metal artifacts and restore them. Like, they'll take a sword from the and they'll just make it shiny again. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. I like that. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> so you'd be surprised what people like, and and if you just do things you like, you'll just start attracting people, and people will start coming out and saying, oh, I thought it was weird to like that, but uh, I can't, I'm glad I'm not the only one, so, and then they jump on, you know? Yeah. I'm gonna move along swiftly to Goketso. How would you advise young creatives to navigate the digital space in competition with large brands? So you work for Bona Magazine? Yeah. Okay, cool, so I think currently, everybody's jumping onto blogs, everybody's jumping onto um, being an Instagram influencer, but nobody's really creating magazines. And by magazines, I mean digital magazines, because we all know that print is dying. So, but the one magazine, and it's right here, that's been flourishing when it comes to publishing is the Monocle. When you look at the landscape that we're living in in South Africa, not everyone has access to digital. A lot of people still um, enjoy reading a newspaper and reading a magazine. And I'm talking about your rural areas and your underdeveloped areas and your, go to Limpopo, go to Venda, go to Guiani, um, the Northwest, the Eastern Cape. These are untapped markets that nobody's looking at. Everybody's looking at the urban areas, metropolitan areas, and nobody's creating content for the kid that lives in Zimtrope, say for example, Esoweto, who does not have access to these things. So how can you create content that is in print um, and then distribute that in an easy, simple way. I mean, I remember there used to be, when we were still in high school, free for all. 
You know what I'm trying to say? And Free For All was literally published through um, a, a bigger publication. I think it was Sunday Times or something. So you could literally go into a publication like your Sunday Times or whoever and say, guys, you have the resources, I have the ideas, and I've got the people and the audience. Here's what we're going to do. Put together a team together and run with it. Literally. Everybody's going online. Everybody wants to be an influencer, but nobody's creating content for those that are not online. Who's creating content for them? Who's creating content for people that don't that aren't using smartphones? People that are literally using King Mapopotani, you know, those 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 cell phones, those those phones. They also still want phones, they still want access as well. They'd love to read an article about Nadia Nakai. They'd love to know who the heck my startup is. They'd even want to know about podcasting. So if I can't access it online and I don't have access to Twitter to know all these people like Slain Goliath or whatever illustrators. Karawa um, Popi, who recently did an illustration with Nike, and it sold out in four days. I mean, wow. So imagine now writing a whole um, newspaper, and putting together a newspaper like that and distributing it. That's what we need to do. And I also feel like even the big publishing brands, they don't know how to communicate to those people. They don't know how to communicate to people in the hood. They don't know how to talk to them, create content for them. We're all creating the same content. We're all speaking the same narrative. You go, go to a store and you look at the, the, the covers, it's the same people. You go through the content inside the magazine, it's the same content, recycled content over and over again. I'd like to know that if I'm living in Venda and I'm using a Vascom, um, how can I better clean or, or whatever? You know, There's always like, here's five steps to clean your couch. Yeah, but like, what if I live in Venda and like there's red soil <laughs> and it's like, it's messy. How do I clean that out, you know? Um, I remember this one time I was washing my little sister's hair and she had dye in her hair and we didn't have shampoo. So I asked my neighbor, do you have shampoo? She's like, oh no, babes, use sunlight dishwashing powder, dishwashing liquid. I'm like, what? Are you serious? She's like, yeah, use sunlight dish li liquid. I used it. It worked. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I would have loved somebody, an influencer online who does beauty whatever, to show me that I can use dishwashing liquid yeah, if I run out of shampoo. But no, everybody's like, no, Kanye, what what? And the makeup, babes, give me hacks, you know? So practical hacks that we can use that we can relate to. Practical hacks that we can say, fine, this is the content that we signed up for. Right now, it does not exist at all. There's no content online that I can go to as a kid from Limpopo or whatever and say sharp. And that's why when people like Ushoma Josie comes up and says, here I am embracing my culture, we're all like, oh wow, look at that, that's amazing. But you go to Gia and they're like, okay, and then? Sharp, <laughs> okay, Spelani, okay, sharp. Everybody's doing it. So we need to get to a point where look at Africa, look at the landscape, and let's see how we can create content for our people that speaks to our people. Because literally, I'm pretty sure that it's 4% of us that has access to Wi-Fi, access to the resources that we have, access to buying a uh, gimlet. We don't know what gimlet is there. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah so you've touched on a few things, accessibility, relatability. And so I just want to jump swiftly to Sis Kagaza on the side there. And I want to find out from you, what programs do you have available for young creatives in South Africa? Cause I mean, we, we run a number of, of, of programs, but I think one that might be um, the most um, important for, for, for the audience here is something called Boost with Facebook. So we've partnered up with Facebook and um, we, we, we train young entrepreneurs on how to use Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp for business. Um, and this is also just because, I mean, there's a lot of people 
in South Africa who are on those platforms, you know, particularly Facebook and, and, and WhatsApp, but without really understanding how powerful a business tool um, that can be, you know? So, I mean, we've worked with Yoko to, to, to train quite a lot of people just in understanding and understanding that. Um, and there's one that we're really hoping to, to launch next, next year, which um, is, is looking at sort of like a freelancer model. So we've got a lot of young people who have a skill, you know, so whether you're a photographer or you're a videographer, and really it's just about how to um, take that to the next level and really start formalizing a business around that, you know, so how to really be a freelancer and get business and just the admin behind all of that, because I think that that's also what kills um, a lot of young creators. So I think those would be the two, the two main ones, but I mean, there's, there's, there's a range um, of programs that we are running. And what do you see the role for Digify Africa being in the digital content and commerce industries? Um, so I think I mean, one thing that we're very clear about is that we are really for um, young Africans, you know, and for us is that if we could play our role in making sure that every young African has got the skills that they need to thrive in the digital economy. Um, and that can be in various industries. But I think for us, it's really is just about giving young people, and I mean, I'm talking about um, hands-on skills, you know, so at the end of our four-hour, one-hour pro, um, training program, you leave there with, like, a to-do list and things that you can implement today, you know, so it's not, like, some wishy-washy, uh, if you work hard enough, you know, but it's just, like, look, A, B, and C, do this today, and you can see the results, you know, so I think for us it's about, um, yeah, those, those, those hands-on on, on skills, you know, that, that young people need to thrive. And then, quickly, Abutikabelo. Um, because we've touched, well, not really touched, but we've spoken immensely about the podcasting industry and so forth. What's your assessment of the current podcasting landscape in South Africa? Um, my assessment of it would be quite simple. It's growth, um, but a lack of consistency. It's the fact that podcast has become like a, it's a buzzword right now and everybody's trying to, you know, get their feet wet into it and nobody's really taking the time to understand really what it is or picking their brain, or picking brains of people that are in the industry, partially because of the fear that Mashudu actually touched on, that creatives like to hog the how-to, you know? So it becomes a point where people are even scared to ask, like, how do I do it? How do I sustain it? How do I continue? How do I grow it? So they hear the word podcast, and they want to cash in on it, but they realize that the podcast game is a long game, a very long game. It's a marathon, it's not a sprint, it's not a relay. It's not a quick fix. It's, it's a passion project at most sometimes. And it really requires your blood, sweat, and tears before you even see a red cent. Most of the time, you're actually putting in the money and not getting anything out. So the assessment is that there's a bit of a growth, but a large dropout rate. It's almost like varsity. You know when you're enrolled <laughs> into varsity? The exact cliche they tell you in the varsity where they say, look at the person next to you because you might not see them again. That's what happens in podcasting. <laughs> so that's my assessment currently. And with platforms like this, we are trying to combat that and make sure that people actually stay and actually make sure that it's an industry and force to be reckoned with that can chat with the television, that can chat with the print, that can chat with the radio. Thank you so much. So I'm just going to open it up, my questions as well, since we've gotten some insight on our panel or to our panel. And I'm just going to open it up to the audience as well, right? But some very generic questions. So feel free to chime in 
whenever you want to. Let me ask my question first. Okay, so um, what do you guys feel is the current landscape for creatives in Africa? Um, so I'll, I'll go for this. So um, unfortunately, I wanted to change that whole like slide deck like an hour before the event, mainly because I felt like there was so much more I could have added, right? So if you look to your... Direction is fucked. So that thing there, right? That glass box is a podcast studio that's being built by the JNB Hive. Available to the public to use. You literally just have to chat to the JNB Hive and understand what terms and conditions they have to use it. But they're not going to charge you a cent for you to walk out of here with your audio and go use it to do something amazing. That is not the only one in Joburg. There's a, there's a store in Santon, the sports scene. It's a massive store with a, a sneaker cleaning shop. It's got a tattoo parlor. And then they just threw in a podcast studio just for fun. Right? That's the second studio. There's another studio in, in uh, 27 Boxes um, in Melville that's also super affordable to use. And the space that was built by Old Mutual that's in Newtown. That's four studios that you, you like, m on, on the whole, you wouldn't have to pay for it to create your content. We are spoiled in terms of resources, but we need to be able to use those resources in the best way to create the best work and, in order to, and also be able to scale the work that we're doing as well. So these resources might exist, but the big thing is being able to tap into those resources and use them to the best of our ability. And I just feel like they're going, these are white elephants now. Like they're just going to be there and nothing's going to happen. And that's what I, I'm really scared of. Yeah. Anyone else in the room, really? What you guys think is the current landscape? No, no. Still on, still on the questions. <laughs> sure, you'd like to add on? Um, yeah, I mean, I think maybe uh, going on from there, it is getting um, easier to produce content, you know? So I think that a lot of young people are getting access to it, you know? So if you're wanting to have a TV show, you don't have to wait for DSTV or SABC to give you some space, you know? you go and you open up your YouTube channel, you know, and a lot more people are doing that. So it's getting easier to, to, to create content. I mean, when I started uh, my career about 12 years ago, um, creating video for like City Press was such a huge thing. And now like journalists can do that on their phones like in, in, in two seconds, you know. Um, just this past weekend, I'd, like we were at a wedding and by like Monday, we had like a little video which was a summary of the two-day affair, you know, and that was literally all done on the phone on the drive back from KZN, you know, so it's getting so much more easier to, 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 to do things, you know, which also then means that a lot more people are creating content and going back to if 20,000 audio clips are being put up, what makes you, what makes you different? So I guess it becomes that thing to then say, as a creative, what are you bringing that's different, you know? Um, right now, the world is looking to the continent, you know, for what's, what's fresh and what's new. And we're seeing so many of um, what comes from here in, in mainstream media, but it's not owned by us, you know, because other people come and they see it and they take it and, 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 and own it, you know? So I guess the challenge becomes that, to then say, what are we gonna do with the space that we've been given. Just to add on what Gaga just said is that um, we're limiting ourselves, especially as creatives. I feel that we're all focused on the content part of it and not the, the digital solutions part of it. There's a company called Joomla. It's based in Nigeria, but it's, um, it has these 14 countries in Africa that have access to Joomla. 
It's the first online mall that exists digitally. It is listed on the New York Stock Exchange, literally. In, on the day it was launched, their stock went up by 70%. They even named it the, unicorn of, the tech unicorn of Africa. There's another company called um, Interswitch. So you know, most in Nigeria, they carry all their money in plastic bags and everything, and the bills and everything, they have cash on them. Interswitch is literally a digital platform where you are able to make transactions and pay people and whatever the, whatever the case may be, like all your commerce needs. I feel as though, and there's another one called African, African Leadership University or something like that, but it, it's doing what UNISA is doing basically, um, open distance learning. We need to find solutions in South Africa that are going to serve our people digitally, apart from content. What can we do with regards to traveling, spending money? Like there's a whole informal sector that is account unaccounted for. Your taxis, and everything. How do we account for that, the informal sector, digitally? How do we create platforms that are able to account for that and make life easier for us? So I feel like creatives in South Africa are literally limiting themselves in that sense. We need to expand our thinking with regards to how we use our spaces and our digital platforms. Yes, we have podcasts. Yes, we've got blogs. Yes, we've got influencers. But what are we using? How are we creating softwares and apps and developing solutions for our people to tap into the commerce side of it? Because that's what the world is looking for. That's what it's waiting for. How are we going to bring out solutions that come out of Africa that are going to serve Africa as a continent and not just South Africa and eventually the world? So, yeah. Sure. Anyone else? Yeah. Now, this is actually a question. It's oh, not hectic. Thought uh, uh, <laughs> 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 I was asking the question. I mean, right. I mean he's got it. So, <laughs> so okay. um, yo, uh, shout out to the Hive, Jane B, for this. I mean, it's super informative. Mesh salute. Um, so this question goes towards the homie that uh, does, is it Menzi, right? Uh, um, an and the dojo. No, 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 the Sobering Podcast, right? In order to gain, yeah, shout out to the dojo too. In order to gain traction, right, um, both on YouTube and, and in terms of podcasts, how often would you advise to post, you know, um, a podcast or upload a video in order to keep consistent, because that's very important. So what is your strategy in that regard? Thanks. Um, well, with regards to YouTube, um, uh, I'd say to gain traction is just a simple answer once a week. Um, I think owning a day is very important. Um, it's, it's basically like television in a sense, like Thursday needs to be, you know, like, uh, like when I used to have a show that used to drop on Fridays and everybody knew that when Friday comes, um, the microwave boys will drop a show, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's like, uh, so. Um, but the consistency is just. I think it's just that consistency, consistency of knowing that every day you will drop on that day because that's how people start talking. Because um, uh, before, when I started YouTube, even the first show I did, I'll drop once a week, and it wasn't that big, but people would know that something happens on this day. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know what this show is, but something is happening here on a Thursday. And then eventually people will say, oh, no, but that's pretty cool. Jump on it. So, yeah, but if I was dropping, like, erratically, I can't kind of, like, contain someone's attention on that specific day. Um, so I'll just say, like, pick a day and stick to that day and so that people can, it can get into their brains that, oh, at 6 p.m., I know there's this guy 
who drops this at 6 p.m. I might not care about him now, but six months later, oh, he's still dropping. Okay, maybe maybe I should maybe I should give him some attention. He seems pretty consistent, or whatever the case is. Yeah. I'd reiterate what uh, Menzi just said. It basically is, uh, it's about consistency, and you do have to have that. I mean, in traditional media, we call it appointment viewing. You know, at 8 o'clock every day, Generations is playing, or uh, 8.30, AC Bayer is playing. You know what I mean? So you have to have your day, have your time, and have your time band or whatever. Like, maybe you, you release every first Monday. We used to do every first Monday, but because the content generates so much, we do we do it every two weeks now. And that also it also depends on how much content you have. You know, maybe the subject that you that you cater to is not about it doesn't churn out every day or every week or whatever. Then you to tackle the consistency um, part of it, then maybe you strip it down. You have one long episode and then you, you put it out in parts maybe just to say like every Monday or every second Monday at such and such a time this drops, this part drops, this drop, this this part drops. But consistency is very, very, very important. When it's erratic, nobody knows when it's coming, nobody knows where it's from and nobody picks up your name that much. So when you do it consistently, you market it consistently, the name pops up consistently, people ask questions consistently, people become more curious consistently and feed their curiosity by actually tapping into your product. So consistency is very, very important. You don't want to just drop once every two months, once every three months sporadically. That is counterproductive to what you're trying to build. Sure. I have noted you, my brother. Now is your time to shine. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is RJ, and I started a podcast called Podcasty. But uh, I have a question for Mashudu. So, with the name of the podcast, it's uh, two guys literally at a corner having a discussion. But now you said five tens didn't work because of the name. So my question is, how do we appeal to the international market while still telling authentically South African stories? Because the stuff that we discussed there resonates with South African youth. And that, well, when we started out, that's our target market. But now building the podcast, how do we then still talk about Amakit Keep while addressing the international community? Thanks. Cool. Um, so. Firstly, that's the first time I've heard my name today because everyone calls me by my handle, so that's fine. <laughs> so um, I'd start by saying that's actually not a bad name in terms of um, appeal. To be honest, that's actually okay. Um, I feel like that's something you can Google, Kasi, see what that means. And also, you can also start to play different games, right? So for example, right at the beginning of the podcast, really explaining what the name means. Because then it helps in great, like really get the audience in tune of what, what, where you're going, right? But then also having a, a specific name like that means that your content also needs to really, really be driven around there. And if you're really going, okay, we're going Gassi content or South African, super South African content, then someone needs to know that they're about to listen to super South African content. And if you market it that way, then it's easy for them to go, oh, okay, if I care about South Africans and I'm in, say, South Korea or I'm in China or whatever it is, then I'm going to click the link, right? So the one thing that the, ba the major reason why I had Kagaza here is because the, the courses that they have is mainly around marketing digital content, right? So being able to 
make ads on Facebook, on um, Instagram, using WhatsApp to distribute content, and then also possibly using Google AdWords and stuff like that. So using growth marketing and really educating the audience about what they're about to listen to, it makes it so much easier to get that adoption from them. So I'd say, one, being able to, in the content, explain or communicate what's about to happen to the person, what they're about to listen to, and then using growth marketing to really educate people to really scale your audience. Sure, I see you. Yes, please. Thank you. Uh, Zimbali Mnube here. I'm a researcher at uh, the Foundation for Human Rights. Um, my question is a bit practical uh, in the sense of um, I want to ask about starting and balancing a nine-to-five because uh, some of us are in different you know, sectors and you, you want to sort of tap into the resources of the space that you are in, but at the same time, um, you want to balance uh, not looking like you are not focused on the values of um, the, the organization um, you're currently working with. So how do you guys, or if anyone of you has had that experience, balance um, using the resources at your workplace or at your, in your environment to your maximum ability and sort of are driving the organization that you are in forward as well? So not like risking and saying, um, I'm retiring or I'm just, you know, leaving this and you're starting your own thing, but keeping that backbone or the cushion of a nine-to-five because we really need <laughs> the money, sure. Okay, um, we're both in nine, oh, you in the nine-to-five, you're my master. She just got a job. <laughs> she just said he's got a I, job, I, I, so. I am. <laughs> I am. Um, <laughs> We um, we've got nine to five. So I've got an, I've got a hectic nine to five. Um, but our podcast, we make sure that it's after hours. All of us, um, my brother, Mukhaitwa, um, we we all three of us have nine to fives, and then we basically delegate some duties. And but we make sure that we record it after hours. It's either after hours or on weekends, so we don't compromise the fact that we've got jobs because the job is actually funding the podcast in itself, but we find creative ways to maneuver around, you know, um, the job and the podcast itself. And we also do leverage off some of the resources that our nine to fives have, you know what I mean? Um, the re we leverage relationships. We also leverage off the, the Wi-Fi a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Very important to tweet the links out when the links are out. <laughs> So, I mean, we do use those, but we make sure that we manage the time adequately. You know, it's a lot of long nights, early mornings as well, um, but it's about also delegating and splitting it. And maybe something that we don't really mention here is that, um, okay, maybe a mesh or maybe a one-man team, I'm not sure, like, how, how he works it, but with us, it's a, it's, a, it's a big team effort. Like, we three guys, and we make sure that we tap into each one's skill set, you know, and that also, you know, alleviates some of the, the pressure now and then. But it's also about, you know, eventually building a team as well to help you out, you know. But obviously when you start out, you start with what you have. And if you, if, if you only have yourself, then you have to be creative and you have to sacrifice a lot of time. But you cannot drop the ball on what's putting food on the table. Yeah. Yep. 
also, um, don't work for an asshole. <laughs> I think um, companies are, are becoming way more conscious of the realities, right? Which is most of us can't survive on what we earn in our jobs anyways. So what they're really becoming is way more flexible, way more open to understanding that you are a person outside of this. Where I work, they literally, for example, so I work at Yoko, right? I'm sure everyone knows this, right? They were willing to sponsor, say, the goodie bags for today because they understand that it's not just about, okay, what, the, what is he doing with his time? But, like, what if something that he's doing on the side can add value to what we're doing in here? and we can actually leverage from each other. Because the thing is, at the end of this event, you get to walk away with this little thing, but at the end of the day, I get to say, you know what, we were able to leverage from each other and be able to make this happen because of the sort of exchange. So being able to work with companies that understand the realities of where we are in the world right now, which is the gig economy, which is side hustles, which is constantly trying to build new things and really see how far you can take your creativity, your personality, your entrepreneurial you know, um, know-how, whatever it is, and really expand it as much as possible. So I think working for a company that really has a good culture of understanding that there's more to who you are than what your job is, is super important. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Du, and I'm a Machaivan. Who can do everything else? <laughs> um, so one thing I've noticed, and I don't think you touched on it a lot, video podcasts, right? People listen to podcasts, some people watch podcasts, you know? So I'd like to know um, how, like, is there is it two separate industries, if I may put it, you know? Where when you're not focusing on, like, listening, when you actually want to watch podcasts, you know what I mean? Is it... Is it advisable to sort of have the very same thing duplicated, basically? So uh, could I literally watch the episode I just listened to? Or would it be advisable to create its own format, create its own content where you have like a whole video podcast and that's what you basically focus on? But if you want to put it into an audio vibe, can we able to create different content so that you have that basically a contrast between the same thing? Okay, cool. So I'm going to let Menzi also answer this as well because he's sort of done well in this space. So I think our, our biggest failing as a company and um, in terms of our creative, in terms of really expanding access to our content is not having video. So if you have video super early, you are in it, right? And I think it's a super important part of podcasts, mainly because that visual element or visual aspect might mean something way more to someone else. Like someone might not listen to your podcast because they can't see you. Is it a separate industry? I don't see it that way. I generally see it as just an extension of the audio into a different medium. Um, there's a lot of people that also take their podcast and make um, sort of articles from the podcast, and now they're putting it out in written as well. What this is about is about content. Forget the medium. Like, you choose a medium mainly because what's convenient for you to be able to make, what's cheap for you to, be, to, to make, and also what are you passionate about making? I have a pretty voice. I like podcasts. <laughs> it works. Also, it was the cheapest thing I could make because I could use voice notes on my phone. That's what I started with, recording with voice notes. So Menzi has done um, insanely well with Sisterhood um, of the Traveling Goal, which I feel it's one experience to listen, 
but it's a completely different experience to watch. Um, <clears throat> thanks. Uh, so I, um, the reason, I think, um, I think the, the, the name of it is called convergence culture, when like all these mediums are meshing together and you just want to create something. Um, so uh, personally, I feel like a pod, uh, I discovered podcasts like two years ago and I realized that in America, Asia, uh, Europe, podcasting is humongous. Like people understand the culture of podcasting and I think in South Africa, um, we, we don't understand it fully yet. So telling a South African to put on their headphones for an hour and listen to someone for some people can be strange. And I think the best way to introduce podcasting is through video. For some reason, South Africans just love visuals. They just like to look at things. Um, so I just felt like if um, uh, I'm, not, I'm, not of, I'm not obviously um, on, on the level of MASH and um, Ukabelo when it comes to podcasting, but I, I, I see a significance in it. And my contribution to it is to say, oh, make people discover podcasts through video. Um, and also, I feel like a video recording podcast opens a whole new uh, medium um, to opportunity. Uh, for example, obviously, I jam the sobering. But I, in my head, I'm, I'm always like, these people are so interesting. I want to see what, what Ukabelo's wearing, what um, Ukito's wearing, or, or Mujeto, when they're shouting at each other. I'm like, if I could see this, it would be so cool. Um, uh, and also because I know them outside of the podcasting, I know how they dress, I know how they're very in tune with the culture. So just seeing all that mesh together in, through conversations and seeing the clothes they wear, whatever, it can create opportunity because now all of a sudden, they, on their podcast, they have a castle light um, uh, plug that they do. But if he's wearing clothes and he wears like um, Nike or whatever, all of a sudden there's opportunity for, oh, how do we dress these people, the, um, these cool guys on, on, on video? give them something to wear. Um, like I was saying to him, he's got this thing called drip check. I'm like, okay, now this video, now the sobering has a video, or oh, put drip check on the sobering. You know, like there's opportunities, what I'm saying. And um, converging creates opportunity, basically. And um, we have to be mindful of how we're feeding South Africans information and, and, and try to be very uh, functional um, and understand that podcasting is something they might not receive well. So how do we make them receive it smoothly? And Video is, is, is a good solution for that. It's, it's, it's obviously more labor, but it's a very good solution. Yeah. Thank you so much. Is there anyone else in the room? Wow. Okay. Um, sure. So I have the mic, so I'm just going to go for it. All right. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Hi. Um, I am Modukwe Lauren Toba, and thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for putting this all together, I think this has been incredible, even though I spent the first half hour kind of driving around. Um, I have a question about copy and about the written word and about how people are responding to that and using that and everything, specifically in fashion, because that's kind of, that's my space that I play in. Uh, but before I ask my question, I just wanted to maybe add to something. Someone was asking about, your, it was your podcast, right? Podcasty. I think that is the coolest name. <laughs> um, take that with a grain of salt because I'm Nigerian um, but I think, I think it's a really cool name and if you're looking to find like international appeal take the thing that you do and set aside its South Africanness for a second and see what else like who else would be interested in what is the thing that you do that happens to be South African so I think you should be looking at high snobiety they all they do is cover youth culture, really, if you set aside the streetwear for a second. Um, I think you should be looking at Hypebeast, who have really expanded past 
just sneakers and t-shirts and they really talk about a lot of culture as well. Um, there are youth culture brands all over the world and I think they'd be very interested in what you have to do there. Okay, my question is, I, I understand the different, I understand the power that different um, content types have. Um, just now you're talking about convergence culture and how like taking the, the same thing and giving people all these different versions of it has this opportunity and creates this power. Um, I understand what I'm gonna do with one or two of my ideas that I really came here thinking about tonight so that I could work through them with a lot of the information that's on the panel. I understand what I'm gonna do with video. I understand what I'm gonna do on different social media platforms. I am struggling with what seems like the most basic part of it, the website with just words on it. So what I'm trying to test right now is an idea where we've got a hub for business news within the fashion industry, the local fashion industry. It's Vogue Business or Fashionista.com or Business of Fashion, but from the African perspective. And it's not just our industry because they cover our industry. They just don't do it as well as they could, as well as somebody on the ground could. Um, it would be global, but from the African perspective. What do we think about what's happening in Europe? You know? Um, so a lot of that kind of content, video is great, but no one is going to like, I don't know, you need a 1,500 word article on insight on how people who are making shoes in South Africa are making it work because the infrastructure for shoe manufacture here is abysmal. So I wanna talk to this brand, that brand, that brand, and it needs to be a 1,500 word article. It needs to be a 2,000 word article. I could do, I don't know, like a news report, like something like, um, what are they called? That Eye on Africa show on CNN, I think, they do those lifestyle segments talking about different um, businesses, different interesting creative things going on. Um, I could do that kind of thing, but I feel like what people who are in the business respond to is that written word, because they're reading Business of Fashion, and they're reading Fashionista.com, and they're reading Vogue Business. I read those every day. So, I'm trying to figure out what it is that is going to get, get that ticking because the response to written word here is, it's not really the response you want when you're a writer. Um, so on our website, there's two forms of written content that we do. There's short form and there's long form. So once you get to the 1.5, the 1,000, that's long form content. And now you need to find very, very extremely smart ways to keep your reader interested. And that now goes into your tone and your voice. You're very right to say that you have a certain target market that you're targeting that content to. Because now, um, I mean, something as simple as Connie Ferguson posting her abs on Instagram. You're definitely sure that next morning there's gonna be 10 articles from the major publishing um, channels that are gonna be talking about Connie Ferguson's abs, right? They're gonna be like, hey, Connie Ferguson posted her abs, da 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 da, this is what happened. But you, as the consumer, already saw that. You already saw that, you don't need a whole article about it. And most of the articles, if there's like a beef or a war on Twitter, they just grab all those tweets, they embed it in the article. So you're basically reading those, those tweets. We need content that is not like that. There's a market for it now because nobody's doing it. Nobody's actually writing actual content, doing the research, 
sitting down, doing the interviews anymore. Now it's just sitting on somebody's social media platform and grabbing it. So I think find your, your, your target audience. Who are you speaking to firstly? What's the demographic? And th this is information that you can get from your Google Analytics, literally. Just go to your back end, sit on your um, Google Analytics, and it will tell you who's reading your content, how old they are, where they're based, um, which phone they're using, what time they look read your content. And once you have that ins those insights, you're able to better serve your, your clientele with regards to the content that you're creating. With regards to your long form, you're right. If there's, for example, you're gonna be talking about, there was a, um, a hashtag in the fashion industry, who made your clothes, where they were literally going around um, showing people who made their clothing, from factories to um, various people, who individuals who created those clothing. And so you can embed um, various, um, so there's this thing called the talks, I don't know if you know it. So the talks is basically interviews with like the most famous people like Denzel Washington and whoever and what, what have you. And like Mashuri said, it's a podcast, but then they'll write an article as well. So within the, while you're reading the article, you're able to like click on the words and then it's audio that plays out. So finding convergence with, the, with your content, especially long form adding pictures, very interesting images that actually speak to your content, as opposed to inserting a, an image that has nothing to do with the article um, and using that. You can also use um, stock images. There's platforms like Unsplash, there's Pixels, there's iStock, there's various platforms that are free whose images that you can use to incorporate into your article. So as opposed to just putting out 1,500 words that is just words, you can add images, add other things to it to make it more interesting and yeah, just, just go for it. Sure, thank you so much. In the interest of time, guys, I'm going to have to pick special people to speak. <laughs> I'm seeing way too many hands. I love the engagement, I love the interaction, but time is a thing and it is Friday night. So you've got the mic, my sister. I'm gonna find, yo, they keep coming up, you guys are wild. I'm gonna find two more people on the side, excuse me and then we're gonna have to cap this session. Nick, guys, it's nothing personal. Um, otherwise, you can get a hold of these people online or just tap them on the shoulder after the session and have a conversation with them, right? But for interest of time and you know everybody going out and doing their own thing, you may go. Um, my name is Neo, and I just wanted to add on to what everybody was saying about this guy's question here about creating a video and audio for the same thing. So, Somebody mentioned on the platform that um, you need to create content at scale. So basically, in my opinion, in my opinion, sorry, what you're doing with uh, creating different types of um, content, you're appealing to uh, different audiences, like they already mentioned. But it's very important that when you're scaling your content, um, keep in mind the context. I might get a hold of your podcast, maybe because of a snippet I saw on Instagram, but what context am I getting it from? And you might also try putting a snippet of it maybe on LinkedIn because you're reaching a different um, audience there. But it's the same thing, just different audience. And yeah, keywords, uh, scaling content and context, yeah. Thank you so much, my sister. Go it's on you. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, okay, we'll grab the one guy in the blue sweater and then we'll have the lady in the cap. Yeah? Let's start with the lady with the cap. 
Oh, hi, my name is Bontle, and I wanted to ask about, I mean, everybody's talking and it seems like everybody knows their stuff, what, what, what. And I'm asking um, for those that are just starting, right? And I am studying fashion designing and I'm getting into the industry and, 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 and. How do I, how do I give the people what I love and, or what I have, what I think is different that I bring to the table and also keep in mind that I need to put bread on the table. So is it that you take the risk and see what happens, but then also looking at the time and just checking, oh, I need to do that. So yeah, simple question. Cool. Do you want that? Um, I think I think entrepreneurship is really difficult, and that becomes the question, you know. So, when we started Word and Sound like ten years ago, I mean, it would have been nice to just be like, "Hey, we're just going to do poetry," but like, the landlord doesn't take poetry <laughs> you know, as payment, you know. Um, and that's why you have to have that 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 nine to five, you know. So I think in starting out, it's always going to be difficult, you know. Um, and for me, I mean, I know a lot of entrepreneurs are like anti nine to five. For me, I'm just like, go for it. You need to pay those bills, babes, you know? Um, and it, it, again, just I mean, echoing what you said, it's about finding the right nine to five that's also then going to help channel your, your, your own hustle, you know? Um, in the beginning, you really are going to need to experiment, you know? And sometimes there won't be food on the table. Um, plant some vegetables, and I'm being so for real. There was a time when I didn't have money to go and buy groceries, but I've got some tomatoes, you know? I made myself some nice tomato gravy. Like, I'm being very for real just about, like, what are the other ways that you're going to, to support yourself, you know? Um, our dreams are fucking expensive, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's really difficult to keep, to keep doing it. But, like, if you want to, you've got to gotta do what it takes, you know? So all the best of luck, but it's going to be very difficult to begin, you know? Yeah. Um, hi, guys. My name is Matsenga Mabaso. I'm the founder of crazynet.com, so I do websites and apps. Um, basically, what I'd like to answer is the question about long content. So um, to date, we've created 300 plus websites, and most of it is like blogs and stuff. What people fail to understand is that because of different kinds of social media, people's attention spans you know, tend to get shorter, and what actually catches them is more visual than you know, the written content and an outrageous headline. So if you want, for instance, um, a blog, let's say, and you want to be talking about fashion, what you should do is the structure of Instagram, you know, the pictures and stuff, that should be your landing page. So when someone gets in, they see a nice picture of, I don't know, a brown kid wearing some outfit, and then they get interested in that. When they click it, then you break it down to them. Because if you break down, a lot of information, people don't see that they're consuming a lot of information from you. Unlike if I open a link and it's just words, words, a picture here, words, words, a picture here, then it becomes a problem, you know. So you need to, like, integrating all of the content together. Putting video and um, pictures is great, but you also need to understand the demographic of your audience, that some people don't have Wi-Fi. You know, they are interested in your content, but they just don't have Wi-Fi, so they're not going to stream your video, you know, and you, your, your content really needs to be light, and it needs to be broken down, so if someone wants to indulge in it, you know, they can, and if someone just says, no, I just want to quickly find out what this is about, they also can. 
So that's like some of the things. And she also mentioned in terms of looking at your Google Analytics. That is the first place you should look at if you want to know who actually likes your content. Because when we start a business, you start with an idea that, no, I want to target these people. And then you find out that those people don't, don't even like your content, you know. And then the people that like your content are people that you're not even, uh, you, you know, creating content for. So you just need to look at that um, and find someone who understands your vision and can put it into beautiful blocks for everyone because we like clicking and liking and reading because that's what it is now. That's why Twitter is a big thing because Twitter doesn't allow someone to write a whole paragraph. Someone writes a thread and then they put something short, they catch you. That's how you catch an audience. Whether you're writing something very serious or something funny, your first few sentences, you catch them. To date, you only have two minutes to capture someone if they land on your website. And that's two minutes, including the loading time. So, <laughs> so, so, so you can't have, you, you can't scare people away with a lot of content. Make sure that it looks creative. Make sure that it's moving with the time. A blog that looked good two years ago doesn't look good today. You know, you need to at least update your blogs, its style, the template, etc., etc. Every three months, then you can stay ahead. Introduce new things, you know. Add YouTube, mm -hmm. and you know, you can stream much better. Yeah, thank you. Ach, thanks, good man. Thank you so much. Um, just in closing... Um, can we get your social media handles and one word that describes the future? Uh, oh, my God, what's the actual question? <laughs> <laughs> this is so funny. What does the future look like for creatives in Africa? That's the one, but I just need one word, right? So your social media handle and one word. You can start that way. <laughs> <laughs> so it's at Koketsu Masoluke across all platforms. And the one word that um, um, describes it will be access. Um, it's at Fred Packer on all platforms, and the one word is information. I'm a hyphenated, actually, information sharing. I know it's not a real hyphenated word, but because it's one word. <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to say access. Oh, yes. So I'm an Arcadium across all platforms, and um, one word would be... Um, uh, of volume, <laughs> I don't know if that's okay. <laughs> yeah. My um, handles are at Kakaza, which is Q-H-A-K-A-Z-A. -A -A. Um, and the word I think would be innovate. I mean, yeah. So, at Mesh Startup on all platforms. <laughs> no, <laughs> maybe Oprah. <laughs> and the word that I choose um, as the future of the internet or just the future for creators in Africa is Lucha. Cool. So, uh, thank you so much for your time. <laughs> thank you all so much for engaging. It was really lovely to have you guys here. I sincerely hope you guys all took something away from this experience. We see you, we acknowledge you, your work matters, and enjoy the rest of your night. Sorry, just one last thing. Okay. So, I'm a very, very insecure person that, like, has lots of ideas and really believes in a lot of different things, right? I'm always experimenting with podcasts, with websites, with learning, and all these different things. 
And it takes a lot of people to ground me. It takes a lot of people to make me make sense of things. It takes a lot of people to really get me to focus on the things that matter. Today's event would not have been possible without one person who's made sure that I stuck to it. A month ago, I didn't want to do it. Two weeks ago, I wanted to cancel it. Last week, I was like, fuck this shit. But here we are. I'm super, super proud that I actually got here, but I didn't do it by myself. And Zola has been the most incredible person. And... <laughs> Come on, let's give it up for Zola. <laughs> so, final lesson for today. Get good people close to you. Cool? Thank you so much, guys. Cool. Thank you so much, guys.